0: I think we all wanted to say thank you so much to the worship team for that beautiful time of worship. And then a sermon with a bit of a difference, as you can see. Um, And as we said at the service before, just to to make sure you're really calm and at peace, this is not an Oprah Winfrey show. And sadly, that means that at the back, Sean does not get the million rand that he was hoping for at the end of the show. (sighs) Darn it. But we are gonna be speaking about money and in a very different way of getting the message today, we're gonna be doing an interview as we conclude our price tag sermon series. And the focus in this concluding sermon and message is on managing our finances. And particularly our whole attitude to money and all of that and we just found that it was such an important one to do because we've been looking at those things that if we don't do them God's way that we really we carry the cost in our lives and I think all of us can just we might have stories in our own families and our own lives or even just looking in our community there is so much brokenness and um, struggle when it comes to, to finances and everything else. And we just thought it was really important to, to look at the Word of God and just to see if there's any input we could get there that would help us to approach managing our finances and looking at money um, with the, the glasses of our kingdom values and, and God's heart on that rather than just buying into just the spirit of this world and what the pressure is around us. And to do this, I thought there was no better person to give us some wisdom and input than Mark Anderson, who's one of our elders. And I know Mark sits there going, but actually Mark and his wife Linda have been, I think one of the most significant examples to my husband, Mike and I, when it's come to this whole issue of managing money. And we've always looked to them as a couple to learn from and we just want to honor them like for the example they've set in our lives when it comes to approaching managing the resources that God has given. And we just feel that they they so emulate just kingdom principles when it comes to this. We've learned so much from them. And so I wanted us to learn and glean from Mark's wisdom. It just so happens that Mark has worked in the finance industry for three decades. So he also has a lot of practical understanding of everything too, so I know he'll bring some of that, but it's the the balance of that wisdom from experience, but also a heart that's running after God. Nothing's going to be so special in hearing what you have to say to us, Mark. So, in starting off, the first question I want to ask for you, because I think it's good to start there, is you know What are some of the challenges or, or dangers, can I say, that, that we need to be aware of when it comes to this topic of managing money or, or looking at material things?
1: Shirley, I think, uh, and, and hi everybody. Uh, I think uh, before we get into the challenges, just to say that firstly, uh, money is perhaps quite a sensitive topic, not something we speak about often. It tends to be quite private and personal. Uh, and so, and I'm also aware that we are all in very different places today. There some of you that may have no money, be unemployed, really struggling. Uh, others that, uh, that have plenty and are not worrying at all about money. So we're all in different places. But the lovely thing is that God's word uh, talks to all of us, wherever, wherever, wherever we are, with regard to our journey with money. So uh, I, I, I think in, in reflecting and preparing for this, really, if we're honest with ourselves, I think all of us spend quite a lot of our time thinking about money and money-related things and our energies and what we can get with money. So it really is a challenge uh, that we all face. I was uh, thinking this morning about uh, a queen song. Uh, In the choruses of one of the queen songs, it says, I want it all and I want it now. (laughs) And uh, that's pretty much how the world is. We are bombarded with getting stuff, there's always something new, the newest phone, a uh, better house, better car, better clothes, better brands, it goes on and on. So we are bombarded in the world by stuff. And many of us uh, are driven by needing more money to be able to get those things. I, I remember, just a little aside, an estate agent, we, we live, we've lived in Kersenhof for a very long time, an estate agent shortly after we moved in, had, had a little fly in our box, and she said, I can look after you throughout your working life. You start off in Norfolk Park, and then a few years later, after a promotion, you move across into Kirstenhof, and then eventually you'll end up in Tekai. Uh, and, and I thought, wow, what, what, what a sad kind of reality that uh, we get measured by by where we live, that, you know, that mm-hmm. you, if, if you end up in Tukai, that that's really kind of an achievement in life. So uh, I, I, I think uh, the biggest challenge for us all is is this whole issue of wealth and material things. And the the Bible uh, and God in his wisdom knew that we were going to struggle with that stuff because, in fact, money is mentioned around 800 times in the Bible. 800 times. And, in fact, it's the second most talked about topic in the Bible. Uh, The first, the, the most talked about topic is God because it's God's word and so he speaks about God and Jesus. Uh, But uh, other than money, the most talked about topic in the Bible is the poor. So isn't that interesting? The poor and money is a a lot of the content of of what what we have in God's word uh, to challenge us and and hopefully keep us on track. So that love of money uh, is a big challenge. Not not money itself. Uh, Remember, there's nothing wrong with money. So we're not saying avoid money. uh, But we are saying that as Christians, we need to manage money well. and and be responsible uh, with with our money. Uh, I think if you could just uh, put up uh, the the next scripture there, what uh, uh, Jesus said in Matthew, uh, is that we can't serve two masters, that either we're going to hate the one and love the other, or we'll be devoted to the one and despise the other, that we can't serve both God and money. Uh, After that, uh, the next verses are those lovely passages about God making provision for us. You might know those of how God looks after the birds of the field and the the animals. And uh, we we shouldn't worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear, that God will will take care of that. So just a reminder that we need to make sure that our priorities aren't material things. We can't take any of it with us. It reminds me of a story I heard of an extremely wealthy man who passed away. And uh, there was a, a reading of the will and uh, only the the close relatives and the beneficiaries were invited in the lawyer's office, but this man was of such standing that there were a lot of reporters outside waiting to get some information because he was extremely wealthy. And uh, one of the family members came out and a reporter called her and said, how much did he leave? And her answer was, everything. (laughs) And that's very real. We can uh, build up lots of stuff here. We don't know whether we're going to get home uh, yeah, car goes through a red red robot to a stop street on the way home and that's the end of us. So make sure we are laying up our treasures in the right place and not simply chasing after money and things. Uh, and uh, as Proverbs says uh, that we shouldn't be wearing ourselves out trying to get rich and that we just a, a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. So that's all passing. We need to be Investing for eternity. Uh, then, uh, Shelley, the, the next point, so I think that, that's the first one, and that's a big topic. We could probably talk about that for, for the rest of our time together is the whole challenge of material stuff and making sure we keep, keep that in balance. Uh, but I think the, the next point uh, or, or the next challenge we face is how we manage debt. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, many of us, in fact, the majority of South Africans don't manage debt very well at all. I was doing a bit of research and was most disturbed to discover that of the monthly earnings of the average South African, 63% of it goes off to settling debt. Now think about that. It's nearly two-thirds. So if you take your monthly earnings, the average South African is taking two-thirds of that paycheck and using that to settle debt. Uh, And uh, obviously there, there are reasons for why people get into debt. Uh, but a lot of it is simply living beyond one's means. Just wanting things credit is relatively easy to get, and if we are not careful, it can become a a real challenge. I also read that uh, South Africans with credit cards, that the average outstanding balance owing is nearly 22,000 Rand on the average credit card. So many South Africans uh, are overspending and not living according to their means. Uh, What what is also important is to, I think, realize that there's also good debt and bad debt. So we're not saying, uh, the Bible says be be careful about debt. As you can see uh, what's on the screen, that uh, the only debt we should have outstanding is our debt to love one another. I love that. That, That's a nice debt that we should all be in. So if you're in debt, that's the debt that you need uh, to love one another. Uh, And the the book of Proverbs, lots of wisdom uh, about being careful with uh, signing surety for others. Especially if you don't have the money. Uh, in, in this case, it looks like the, the sheriff of the court might have come and uh, taken someone's bed because they signed for something that they couldn't pay. So lots of practical uh, wisdom in the Bible about uh, finances, standing surety, uh, managing debt, uh, etc. Uh, and, uh, and 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 I and I think uh, the, the the example I was talking about good debt and debt and bad debt. I had a very good ex- example. My parents uh, were quite old school. Uh, and, uh, and, and only, only saved up for things and paid cash for stuff. Uh, that's very old-fashioned. We don't do that today. But, but in fact, uh, some debt is fine. And so uh, w- I don't, don't think uh, there's any anything wrong uh, in terms of houses. Very few people I know can afford to pay cash for a house. And so a mortgage for a home, that's not bad debt. That's good debt, but obviously one needs to be responsible. And taking on that debt, uh, you need to be able to repay the mortgage. So... Debt debt for for big things like houses, like cars, nothing wrong with that, but obviously one needs to to be careful uh, and look at your budget and make sure you can afford the repayments. When I say debt for a car, that doesn't mean because your neighbors bought the latest model uh, that you need to feel obliged to compete and do the same even though you can't afford it. Uh, Debt is relatively easy to get, so be careful uh, that your debt is sensible debt and not taking on debt just to keep up with the Joneses next door. So... uh, the, the, those are, I think, surely uh, the, the the two main things in terms of the challenge of material things and keeping those in balance, uh, and being responsible and man- managing debt carefully.
0: Then, Mark. Secondly, um, what are some of the biblical truths that you want to share with us around, you know, money matters? So, some biblical truths that we can apply to our lives around money matters.
1: Uh, in fact, have five, and. Uh, the first one is to be content. And uh, I love the scripture because Paul, uh, if you read about Paul's life, uh, he started off as a very wealthy Pharisee and then gave up his day job uh, when he became a Christ follower uh, and earned very little uh, and had to work hard making tents. And Paul says to the church in Philippi, uh, and they were a very affluent community, that uh, he says that I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And then another passage uh, in terms of contentment is uh, the letter to Timothy. Paul giving uh, some wise words to a much younger uh, leader in their church Uh, And Paul says the following to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, like that man who left everything. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And as we said, the love of money, not money itself. And it then goes on to say, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And I'm sure we all uh, have seen examples of that, where we see people uh, that end up starting off in a good place and then ending up being so absorbed with chasing money and material things uh, that their lives get totally out of balance and they lose sight of the Lord. But you, O man of God, flee from all this uh, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So taking hold of eternal life, if we consider uh, the short time we have here on this life and how long eternity is going to be, Uh, it certainly makes a lot of sense to be investing in eternity uh, more than we invest here. So that's number one. Number two is being generous. Uh, And that is such an important thing, uh, especially in our society here in South Africa. You you may not know, but uh, there is this uh, economic uh, uh, term called the Gini coefficient. Now, the Gini coefficient is the measure, uh, and it measures countries... And so it's the measure of the gap between the rich and the poor in a particular country. And sadly, South Africa has the worst Gini coefficient in the world. So our country has the biggest gap between the rich and the poor in the world. So that's really sobering. And as the church, that's really something we should be taking heed of and saying, wow, What can we as Christ followers be doing about that? We're not called to that. If you read about the early church uh, and you saw how they took care of each other, you hear people selling properties to just give money to the church to look after the poor, we certainly need to take stock and uh, and be thinking about what we can be doing uh, to make a difference to the, the, the dire situation of the many, many desperately poor people in our country. So God expects us to be generous, to be taking care of the poor, uh, and uh, it's, uh, as we know that old saying, it's much more blessed to give than to receive. And not only being generous to others, but being generous to God. We we are called, we are stewards of what we are given. None of us really chose uh, wh- where we ended up, uh, education, earnings, etc. Uh, that's really just by God's grace. And so we are stewards of what we have from God, uh, and so we are called to make sure Uh, that we are studying that wisely uh, and blessing God and the church uh, by our giving. And uh, I love that verse in Corinthians uh, where it says, each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We can obviously debate uh, what the right kind of amount you should be giving uh, in terms of your tithes. People talk about uh, 10%. Uh, but it's not something we need to be legalistic about. And uh, if, if you are blessed, you should be perhaps giving a lot more than 10% if you have a financial excess. Uh, and so it's not really a mechanical thing that you know, tick this box, yes, 10% to the church. It's really a case of cheerfully giving back to God uh, for what, what he has blessed you with. Uh, and not just money, it's time too. Time is money, as they say. So let's be generous with our time. Sometimes it's easy, especially for affluent people, to just give money to a cause, but to actually get their hands dirty and go and kind of do, do things and make a difference and be sacrificial with time uh, is perhaps more of a challenge. Number three is to be diligent and hard working. The Bible's quite clear about that. Uh, we can't just park off on the couch watching TV and pray say, Lord, please uh, just drop, drop some money into my bank account. Uh, I don't feel like uh, w- working at the moment. Uh, we are called to work hard and be diligent Uh, And uh, that's that's a clear instruction in the Bible. Uh, What what, what I think uh, is very sobering is the next point, and that is about being ethical and fair and not being greedy. And that's obviously been a a challenge throughout the ages because uh, in the book of James, uh, there were clearly wealthy people exploiting others. If you read uh, this passage uh, that's on the screen, uh, you can see that there were some workers that hadn't been paid, Uh, and there were some fat cat uh, exploiters that were living lives of luxury and self-indulgence. And that hasn't changed. That's evident in the world uh, very clearly around us. Uh, And so uh, I I think the the, the challenge really is is not just to say, oh, well, uh, I'm I'm not that person. I'm not some rich exploiter making bucket loads of money. But we need to actually look hard at our lives and see where perhaps there is an element of exploitation happening. A A simple thing... Might be those of you that are blessed to be able to employ people uh, and uh, have people working in our homes, uh, are you paying them a decent wage? Uh, I often hear people say well what 's the going rate you know, what, 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 what do people pay and that tends to be kind of the minimum wage that 's the kind of the, the, the smallest amount you can get away with. so as Christians, we are we called to look out for others uh, and make sure that we pay people appropriately. Uh, and that we share, if we are blessed uh, with material things, uh, to be sharing uh, and not kind of stashing up wealth for ourselves uh, and exploiting others. Uh, Even the situation of of providing for retirement. Uh, Maybe you think, well, I'm paying people that I employ a a decent wage, but have you thought about what they're going to live on in their old age? Many, many people can't afford to save while they are working, uh, and in fact, the stats are very sobering. In a bit of research I did, that there are approximately 5.5 million people who are over age 60, some of them obviously still working, but uh, the vast majority of them not, and of the 5.5 million people uh, that are retired, uh, only 1 million of them uh, have a private pension. So that leaves 4.5 million people that have no provision, have made no provision, uh, have had no pension uh, savings during their life, uh, and they, the state... Provide an old age pension for people that have no money of their own, of their own, and that is the princely, princely sum currently of 1,980 rand. So those four and a half million people are living on 1,980 rand a month. So just uh, something for reflection in terms of taking stock uh, and, and, and being thankful those of us that are blessed uh, with with financial uh, and, 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 and material things. Uh, that uh, we need to be be looking out for others. Number five is trusting God in times of financial need. Uh, And I think in my family, uh, we grew up uh, with money being very tight, and I have my own uh, uh, lovely stories of of God's provision and faithfulness to us, and I'm sure most of you do uh, as well. Uh, And I love this verse in Philippians, which says that our God will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, and so God's faithfulness, uh, and so really lean into that, especially those of you that are struggling uh, and are thinking, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? How am I going to put food on the table? God does provide our needs on a daily basis, so press into him uh, and remember that that God that looks after uh, the grass of the field and the birds of the air uh, cares so much more uh, uh, about you uh, than you realize. Uh, my, my wife and I, uh, you, you might, uh, some of you might know, uh, those new to the church probably won't know this, uh, our church was part of a church plant in Capricorn, uh, and my wife and I worshipped there for a couple of years, and at uh, one Christmas service we, we had a kind of worship service, just a sort of celebratory end-of-the-year service, and there was a Rwandan lady who stood up and said, uh, I'm just so thankful to the Lord that I'm here today, she said, I haven't had work the entire year, but here I am. And that excuse me (laughs) makes me a bit emotional just thinking about it. (laughs) A sip of water will help. It uh, it, it just made me realize how insignificant the things I was worrying about were. She was saying, wow, here I am. I I haven't had a job the whole year, and I've had a roof over my head. I've had food every day. It was just such a blessing to to, to hear that, that testimony of God's provision for her. So, I've finished you. my five points, Shirley.
0: Well, give you time to give us some more points, because those were some biblical truths to sort of, you know, build our lives around when it comes to this. But are there any other wise tips that you have for us around managing our money? And many of them probably also rooted so much in just kingdom principles, but any more wise tips?
1: Uh, actually, yes, I, I do have some more wise tips, <laughs> Frankie. And I've got four of them, but we'll go quickly, so don't worry. They, they're quick points. So the four points are, firstly, to plan and budget carefully and consistently. That is such a basic, and my wife and I have really struggled with that over the years, is to actually budget and be careful with our money and make sure that it doesn't uh, just kind of fritter away and, and we're not being responsible with God, what God has blessed us with. Uh, and thinking about budgets, too, also a lot of you have young children. It's important to model that and give examples to, to our children. Uh, in fact, one of my children is, is here today and in the service, and I remember quite clearly that it was quite a breakthrough when we decided when they were teenagers to actually give them a budget, or give them an allowance, rather, uh, to buy clothes, because we were finding that label clothes were very in uh, and becoming very expensive and unaffordable, and so we decided it's time now to give them a budget to buy their own clothes. And I had a very interesting conversation. I can't remember. I've got twin daughters. So I can't remember if it was the one that's here today or the other one. But one of them <laughs> said to me, So, wow, Dad, you know that for that label shirt that I bought last month, I can buy three shirts from Mr. Price. <laughs> And I thought, wow, that's fantastic. That's exactly what I want. Le- learning the, the value of money, that, uh, that label perhaps is not so important, that I can have three garments for the price of one. Uh, and, and she was obviously very focused because she you know, had this amount and she had to like, look, look after herself. So, so model that to your children uh, and, and, and try and uh, live, ac- live in terms of according to your means. I, I love the passage that's up there, uh, a real practical one, uh, that uh, Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Wouldn't you sit down and estimate the cost? to see if you've got enough money to complete it rather than being foolish and starting the tower and then realizing, no, I actually shouldn't have done this because I didn't have the money. So planning and being careful uh, and budgeting uh, is really an important discipline. And secondly, uh, being open and transparent with your spouse about your finances. Really such an important thing uh, as a couple, for those of you that are married, you are a team uh, and finances is part of your joint journey uh, as a couple. Uh, Sadly, uh, issues around finance and money is the second highest cause of divorce. The highest is infidelity, obviously being unfaithful to your partner. But stress over money uh, is really damaging for marriages. So even before you get married, and I'll I'll say that in the evening service to those of the the, the younger generation uh, when we chat about this this evening, uh, that even have those discussions before you get married as part of your preparation, that how are you going to budget, how are you going to plan, uh, because it really is a, a team effort uh, and so to be transparent and for both partners to understand the family finances and be able to work together uh, on that is just su- such an important thing. So that's number two. Number three is a simple one, is where possible, save for the future. Uh, we live in a in a now uh, world where we want, want stuff now, immediate gratification, uh, and we don't realize that we have around 480 paychecks if we're blessed to be paid while we're working, uh, and then... 240 paychecks that we have to then pay ourselves or more. That's just on average. You could live a lot longer with modern healthcare, care. So you need to think about the 240 months that you need to pay yourself. So giving up a bit now for later is so important. And it's the early stages. I, I, I don't want to be pre- preaching finances here, but the simple uh, what the wonder of compound interest with, with our money growing is such a powerful one. Over one's working life, so say from 25 to 65, that's 40 years. Your first 10 years of saving, assuming you save consistently over those 40 years, the first 10 years make up half of your pension when you retire. And that's simply the power of money being invested for a long time. So such an important thing uh, to just set aside money and keep saving. And then finally, and probably the most important, uh, I think, is to be setting an example of generosity generosity and compassion uh, to our children and to others around us. Uh, I, I remember a really moving experience that we had as a family. Uh, our girls were small and we took part in a, in a build with Habitat for Humanity. You might have heard of them, that organization uh, that build low-cost housing uh, and uses volunteers to do the building. Uh, and we wanted to take our children along. We weren't sure whether it was a good idea. We spoke to the organizers. They said, no, good, good idea. Bring your children along. Uh, they can play in the streets. It'll be quite quite safe, and there'll be lots of other kids around. And so while we were kind of mixing dugger and, and laying bricks, uh, our kids were playing playing with, with with the kids kids in the community. And when we got in the car to go home, the first thing one of our girls said was, and it, "It was the middle of winter, so it was quite cold." Said, "Dad, did you see that some of those children didn't have shoes?" And that was so powerful, just to see that. Wow, uh, our girls were noticing. That simple thing like shoes, uh, w- w- where they live, everyone has shoes. So to see children with no shoes, was just like, I oh, open it to them. So really set those examples to your children. Look out for organizations uh, that work uh, in different communities to your own uh, and expose yourself uh, and your children to those kind of experiences. Uh, and, and so uh, that, that, that's really something that, uh, uh, that, that I think is so important. My, my own mother modeled, modeled that to me. She was a social worker and just had such a compassion for people, was always looking out for others, uh, and I really value that, that, that I saw in her just that, that kind of care and compassion and, and concern for others around her uh, that just it just touched her heart, and she, she wouldn't let things go and, and would really go out of her way to, to help others. And that, that I think, uh, invested in me, and, and, and that kind of helped me to pass that on <coughs> to my children as well.
0: Let's just reminded me, I had the privilege when I was youth pastor here for a decade taking our young people across the country on mission trips. And um, there was one particular place that we went to in rural KwaZulu-Natal. So for a decade, we took teams of young people there to have the privilege of ministering with those who lived there. And this, this happened to be a community that was extremely, extremely poor. But a very real reality for most of the South Africans in our country. And so every single year, without fail, um, the, you know, as part of our debriefing afterwards, I think the awareness of that was always one of the most um, life-changing lessons that our young people had the privilege of learning. I know when we went up, we would always, much to their horror, um, take away their cell phones from them and just say, you know, for this time that we're away, there's no, you know, you, you, there's no cell phones, no way of communicating. We want you to be present in the moment and just see what God's gonna do in this space. They were allowed one phone call a day to mom just so not mom would know that they were alive. But that was literally it. And I think, you know, in the beginning, they were like, oh, you know, I couldn't believe these leaders who did this. And then when we came home, we did this debriefing exercise with them you know, on the way back, and I think without fail, as I said, every year, the feedback would just about be there, without having you know, the, the luxury of stuff around them, which they're so used to in this culture. They had no phones. They just had to be present in that moment, and then were exposed to fellow South Africans living in dire, dire need. How much that changed their perspective on what they considered normal, and on how they approach life. And I think their compassion for their fellow South Africans rose exponentially. And some of the kids would share and just say I'm actually just so embarrassed even about how I even left home. You know, I might have moaned at mom or dad because of the like, oh, you know, we had spaghetti bolognese again for supper, you know, and something moaning about a meal even. And here I am moaning about, I don't like those vegetables, I didn't like this for supper. And I have been exposed to people this week who actually might not even eat every day. They might only eat every second day. And the petty things that I've absorbed my life with, moaning about, you know, I even have a preference for food, most people don't even get that luxury. Or, or, you know, or moaning about the phone I have. No one has a phone where we've been. Um, So Mark, I think just to illustrate that too, I think sometimes we want to protect our children so much from some of the hurts and pains, but actually for them, the thing that grew them the most in the Lord, and the thing that was most used even in their faith journey was not being protected from that, but being exposed to that and then having to say, Lord, and yet here am I, and what do you need me to do? How do you need me to live in the country that you've placed me in the incredible context of privilege where I've been found? How do I absorb these lessons and these awarenesses that I've seen here in Cape Town where you've placed me Um, and I hope some of that byproduct was birthing in them a heart of compassion and generosity like you've been saying for those around us um, recognizing that that is the majority of our fellow South Africans are actually living in a place of huge challenge and and that's in fact I think one of the lessons that you and Linda have taught us so much that I just want to honor in you just your incredible heart of generosity And compassion, and um, I know that you are always moved by the plight of the poor. And I just honor you for keeping our hearts sensitive to that, too, and always aware in that space. And so just um, just in closing, and I know this is just something we, we, in, in chatting about, you just mentioned this as a throwaway thing, but I thought it was such a helpful practical thing. So I know it's not sort of, you know, birthed in scripture. Yes, I think some of these, you know, principles even are ones you've even mentioned. But it's a really helpful tip, Mark, you, you gave, you spoke about the, you know, our five banknotes. Some of us have never seen some of them because they're quite high. But, you know, the five banknotes each have a, an animal on them. And you said there was a really practical tips that you've been given around the lessons we can learn from those animals when it comes to finance. And the reason I thought it would be a nice thing just to land on or end with is that, um, you know, if you happen to have money in your wallet, not all working on credit cards. But, you know, when you see those daily in circulation, hopefully then it will trigger this moment right now. And you'll remember, ah. Oh, Lesson from the rhino or lesson from the elephant or whatever else. But in those animals, there's some great practical lessons. And as I say, some I actually feel almost go back to some of your points earlier. So, um, maybe just in closing, give us some lessons from our very own South African currency when it comes to some wise tips around finance.
1: Sure, Shelley. And we'll start with the secret of the lion. Uh, Lots of lessons from nature in terms of financial planning. Uh, ma- male, the male lion always eats first. I don't know if you've noticed that. It seems a bit sexist. Why does he, he get to, to eat first? Uh, but, but the reason is that uh, the male lion is needed to bring down big prey. The female the lionesses do most of the hard work, uh, but if you need to bring down a buffalo to feed the whole pride, you need the big guy to be strong and healthy. So the, the secret of the lion is to be setting aside for the future. So that, that's a listening about, about saving, that you need to make sure you're providing now for tomorrow. So that's the secret of the, of, of the lion is to make sure that you, you save small amounts and develop that savings habit. Then the secret of the leopard, uh, the leopard uh, is a goal setter and the leopard doesn't waste time on things he can't achieve. Leopards are very shrewd uh, and they will uh, make sure that they always get what they set their, their minds on. So have clear goals, uh, set goals uh, for, for your financial future, short, medium, long-term goals, so goal setting uh, is the lesson uh, from the leopard. Uh, And then the elephant, we know the elephant is the guy uh, that doesn't uh, forget. Uh, Our human minds are not that great, and so the lesson from the elephant is that we need to keep records uh, and understand our spending habits uh, and be able to work at changing them. So that's the elephant remembering things uh, but not just uh, in our heads but writing them down so we can uh, keep track of our spending and change our habits if they're going down the the wrong path. Uh, And then the rhino, uh, we know that uh, the rhino's weapon is to charge, the head's down and they charge. And so if you are in debt, uh, dealing with debt is the first thing you need to to challenge. So charge down your debt and get that sorted out. Uh, There are lots of ways of doing that, so get that focused before you can do the other stuff. And then the final one uh, is the secret of the buffalo. And that's a bit about like that example of those bits of money when we're young that grow over a long period of time. Uh, Buffaloes, you know, uh, have strength in the herd. You've seen a whole herd of buffalo. They're not scared when they hold a lot of them together to take on lions and charge them down. Uh, And so that steady growth of the herd uh, builds strength uh, with, with the buffalo. So... Just steady, steady saving over the long, long period. Set your goals and, and stick to them. So, some, some useful tips from the animals on our banknotes uh, for financial planning.
0: Thank you so much, Mark. I hope that has been helpful to, to many of you. And I just want us to just take a few moments now, just to to be still before the Lord, and yeah, just to pray into that which Mark has shared, trusting that the. There's something that is relevant and specific for, for you as you sit here, wherever you might find yourself in your particular situation today. I think there's something that all of us can learn from what Marcus said, and perhaps it's even in an in area of, of challenge. And so I want you to just take some moments to think through, you know, where might you need to be making some changes in your life or in your thinking or in your heart? when it comes to money management? You know, are there some things that the Lord might be challenging you to do differently moving forward from here? And also just proactively to think through what are some of the positive steps that I can take? And I love that Mark put that before us too. Not just the, the things that, you know, don't do this, don't do this, but there's some really positive things that are there as well. And what are some of the positive areas of, of challenge and change that you want to see emulated in your life? So just take a few moments just to, to seek the Lord. And then I will pray for us. Father, we recognize as we sit here as a community that there is incredible diversity in our space around this whole matter of where we find ourselves today. There are those in our family here who find themselves in in dire predicaments right now and, Lord, in deep stress when it comes to, to finances and worries around that. And the others, Father, feeling so challenged about many of your injunctions to our, be following after you, you wholeheartedly, and not putting our hearts and our focus around worldly wealth and making that the measuring stick for our identity and who we are. And so, Lord, in all of this challenge and diversity, for those who who have much, for those who are are deeply troubled and and really panicked in this space you're the God who meets us each one where we are at and so Lord we want to just pray right now just for the ministry of your Holy Spirit to us where we find ourselves today (coughs) whether it is reminding us that you are the God who sees and you are the God who knows whether you are needing to encourage us around the, t- the fact that we have testimonies in, this, in our midst here of people who literally can testify to miraculous provision. Lord, still hope where people are feeling really panicked. And we also want to pray, God. We want to stand together praying for those in this family who are needing miraculous provision from you. And we pray for that. We also also want to pray, God, for each of us, that you would give us eyes to see those around us. You've placed us in community. We know the importance of that, the value of that. And Lord, if you need to open our eyes to a brother or sister who needs our love practically, then give us eyes to see, God, we pray. We pray for soft hearts to be so sensitive to the prompting of your Holy Spirit that we would be able to give from a place of, of rich generosity but also with incredible wisdom from you, such wisdom. Lead us and guide us in that way, God, that we would be making kingdom advances in this place, that we really would be your hands and feet and, and just your loving arms, whatever you need us to be, that we would be able to, as our whole heartbeat is here as your community, continue the work of Jesus. And God, thank you for reminding us too that so much of your words we're telling us to be so mindful of the poor in our midst and to make sure that in how we approach the resources you've given us on this earth, we do so always, keeping eternity and our final destination in mind. And so help us daily, Lord, to live out that value, to live out the fact that we are destined for eternity. Show us what it is to store up treasures in heaven, God, and not just treasures here. Lord, may you be honored and glorified in all of our lives. Whether they're lives where we set, we've we been able to say, I have all I need. Or they're lives that are right now in desperate need. Teach us that secret, Lord, of learning to, to worship you both in a place of abundance and a place of, of want. And of hunger and being well fed. We want to learn that same Secrets that Paul speaks about of being content in all situations, being thankful in all situations, being able to praise and testify to your consistent character when it comes to your goodness in our lives, no matter where we find ourselves. We honor and we worship you as our Lord and as our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.